Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Dirk, the marketing director at Ideal Warehouse Innovations. They have an impressive range of solutions designed to keep workplaces safe and supply chains strong. And I loved picking Dirk's brains about and really just finding out more about what they do. We talked all about Ideal Warehouse's story, their commitment to people, protecting links in the global supply chain, and the correlation between safety and business productivity and profitability. It was a great episode, and I guarantee you've never thought about safety with this much detail before. So I hope you enjoyed it. But remember, if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com or on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 309. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O.com today. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today, I'm excited to welcome a writer, podcaster, and self-confessed freight tech nerd to our Woman in Supply Chain series. It's a great combination of attributes, but can you guess who's bringing them? I will let you know after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, what's your favorite way to practice self-care? 45% of you said spending time outside. 42% of you said exercise. 8% of you said meditate. And 5% of you said others. And we had 620 votes on this one. Eric said spending time with family should be the best self-care available. Wayne says I combine all all three quite easily. And Tom says this has been one of the best autumns for being outdoors here in Toronto. Molly says baking. Um, Lucille, although I do see value in meditating, I think getting outside and bringing in the breathing in the smells, hearing the sounds and feeling the wind is a form of meditation. 
Love that. Christy, I like to spend as much time as I can working outside, but I love a relaxing bath. I am a bath person too. Leslie says, reading, I love to read. And uh, so, so much more. We had Cecile, we said, we had Alexander, we had Khan. So many people participating in our poll. And thank you so much for participating. We ask a question every single Wednesday morning. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, Make sure to be part of that conversation. So now back to today's podcast and the wonderful woman in supply chain I have with me today is Grace Sharkey. Grace started her career as an account rep at Fifth Wheel Freight, a 3PL consistently honored on the Inc. 5,000 list of fastest growing private companies in America. Over her time, Grace honed her skills in roles across sales operations, business development, and strategy before deciding to pivot in 2021 when she joined FreightWaves. Utilizing all of her supply chain knowledge, Grace thrived as a writer and earlier this year also became the host of popular radio show FreightWaves Drive Time on Sirius XM. Today, Grace will be talking to us about her career so far, her love of freight technology innovation, making the leap from brokerage to broadcasting, and why supply chain was built for women. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for all the women following in her footsteps. But of course... We could not do this without our sponsor. This Woman in Supply Chain feature was sponsored by Sifted. As a business dedicated to empowering confidence within the shipping industry, we're proud to support women in supply chain. Sifted is the leading logistics intelligence software that combines insights with expertise to empower bigger, smarter shipping decisions. As growth and disruptions present ongoing challenges for supply chain leaders, Thousands rely on Sifted to set their businesses up for success. Learn more about Sifted at Sifted, that's S-I-F-T-E-D dot com. So welcome to the show, Grace. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Once in a lifetime opportunity. So excited to be here with you today. Oh, I love that. And I'm so excited to have you here. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between us, a background in 3PLs, switching across to a career in media, championing women in the industry. I mean, I wish we lived closer so we could go to dinner. But for now, we'll have to do with chatting here on the show. And I can't wait to find out more and introduce you to our listeners who I know are going to absolutely love you. So let's dive right in. Let's start at the beginning. You have a degree in international relations and affairs, which is interesting because I've had quite a few people on the show over the years with a similar background who go on to have careers in supply chain. So were you always interested in the industry? And why do you think so many people with your educational background end up in supply chain? <laughs> well, when I originally went to school, I was looking to go into politics. I had interned um, at half of my senior year, I would spend interning for senators. Um, so that was really fun. And I, I wanted to keep doing that. I loved being in that space. I'd always done nonprofit work uh, with my family members growing up. Um, so I was hoping to go into 
more of like a political science type of role, maybe into law. That was something that I was trying to discover while at college. Um, and I actually met someone while interning that told me that uh, I had a great personality and that if I was going to become a lawyer, I would just lose that. So I, I was like, I, I believe you. So I ended up uh, I ended up fundraising at one point. So for my I started in the cafeteria, but quickly moved away from that job and paid uh, my way through school uh, through fundraising for MSU. And okay. uh, in that role, it's all phone work. We're on the phones from 5.30 to almost 10 o'clock at night, calling alumni across the, uh, across the U.S. Uh, and, and looking for funds, right? And it's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of um, different scenarios you have to kind of talk through and figure out. And uh, a number of logistics companies would actually come and recruit out of our job because it was the same sure. type of work on the phone, yep. being able to be scrappy, right? With what people throw at you. Um, honestly, better percentage on the phone at a logistics office than <laughs> fundraising over the phone. I'll tell you that. Um, and I, a couple of my friends went into it. I had a couple of like older friends in school who went into logistics and I just thought it was really cool. So I ended up finding one close to home that I uh, wanted to work for and, and went down that route. So it's uh, it's nice though because I think international uh, relations, any type of like human science, like political science type of degrees, you learn about the functions of everyday society and what stops right. people from getting what they want or stops. Yeah, for instance, I worked for Clean Water Action, so like what's slowing down the process, right? Of of getting um, better water within our, our different communities. And you start to realize that it's a lot more than just uh, turning on a button or just um, f finding a $50,000 donation and giving it to a person in a problem solved. There's a lot of different steps and a lot of different ways that you have to solve um, political problems today. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I kind of get upset. Like people are like, why don't we just do this. It's like, I, I wish that's how life worked. Right. right. Uh, and so like preps you to be a problem solver. And, and that's, I think why I naturally found uh, love in this industry over time. Yes, because problem solving is the nature of our beings every single day in this industry. And I wish I would have known you when I was in sales, because let me tell you, the rejection, I was like, there is no other industry <laughs> Yeah. But it's as hard as this one to sell in. Well, and you've proven me wrong. Well, and you know, I think this industry, what makes it fun is most of the time the people you're calling do need your help, right? It's mm -hmm. not, it's almost less of cold leads and more just like really warm ones that you just have to figure out kind of like where you can put yourself in there. A lot of times, especially smaller brokerages, right? It's like, just give me that one lane that you, you hate the most. And that right there, I mean, you get 10 of those lanes and, and you can start making some good money in this industry. So yeah. I, I think where it differs from like fundraising is that at the end of the day, I don't have to give you my money to go back to my university. Trust me. I, I would, my favorite list to call was uh, a senior class because they're like, yeah, no, I have to pay for tuition before I'm going <laughs> to donate to you. So it's like, it was I'm much easier. Call. Yeah, exactly. No, a hundred percent. And those were fun calls to flip, but it's like that, that's much harder sale than 
just trying to build a relationship with someone who has a great opportunity and finding your way into it over time. Yeah. And then it's your operational department. That's like, why did you sell that lane? And you're like, because <laughs> we can get more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why did you find the carrier for is another question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're cursing you behind your back and it takes a talent to really manage the internal customer and the external customer in logistics as well. So I'm sure fundraising helped with that too. But how did you go from fundraising, clean water action, right into a 3PL? You said that they recruit, um, like logistics companies recruit. Is that sort of how that transition happened? And what were you doing at the 3PL? So I, when I started learning about logistics uh, as an industry, my friends were probably a couple years older than me, right? So they would graduate and they would go work for um, some Chicago big boys. I won't throw their names out there. But I had a couple of friends by the time that I graduated were already kind of burning and churning out of that job. They like the job, mm-hmm. right? But they're at that two-year mark where, you know, they're either going to kind of like, push you out of it, make it miserable. Uh, one in particular was on a huge growth streak. So um, I remember a couple of my friends leaving there. They, they love the industry, but they, they could make more money, but it's just culture wasn't right. So I'm like, okay, well, let me see if I can find a job in this, but an opportunity to grow, right? I wanted to be able to look back two or three years and say, oh, I'm in more of a, of a management position than trying to find my, weave my way out of the industry. And I stumbled upon a posting for a representative sales rep to start with a brokerage of what at the time was just two people. And uh, the owner was looking to, to grow it. And we had a great discussion during the interview. My dad at the time too was having health issues. So I didn't want to like leave too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, that uh, that interview went absolutely great, and I ended up starting with that uh, that startup brokerage, and it, it just took off from there. And it was uh, really fast growth, and really, I feel like over that time, got a business degree in some way, and uh, made me fall in love with the industry as a whole. Especially, I think when you start in a startup with this, within this industry, yeah. you get a whole different view of the problems and how they can be solved and mm-hmm. not only how they can be solved, but how they can be solved with how you want to grow a business, right? right. Like you can't yeah. take on as a small business uh, on day two, $40 million worth of freight transportation spend, right? right? So it's <laughs> like, it was a really great way to learn the industry, learn it from like its grassroots level and also learn how to, to grow a business at the same time. Amazing. And you ended up as chief strategy officer, I think, over there as well. Like, how did yeah. you go from and what was that uh, period of time? Right. Because you started off with two people. You were the third and yeah. then you end up as chief strategy officer. And so how many years in between and what did that journey kind of look like? Because that's quite a difference in, I believe, a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It feels like it was just like so fast. It, it, like you said, uh, it, the part of the reason I loved it, I went in the interviews because I would get a chance to um, lead people, right? And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm going to lead a, gr- a group of five people, you know? Well, I, I like a year into it, we're already at like 10 employees and, wow. you know, leading that group and um, taking off in sales. And we had recruited a number of 
of you and my friends and people from Michigan State from the same fundraising organization uh, into the job. So a lot of us had an idea. We're all great on the phone. It was just learning the industry and, and building our, our, our company to reflect the values that we had. Um, and over time, I think at, at one point I took over an operations role. I, I would say in general, operations is my favorite. One, I love the carriers. Yes. I think they're absolutely great. And I think I think they're more helpful than people think they are. You just have to listen to them. And so uh, I love that piece. I love the piece of like um, uh, training. Training was a big thing I was a part of as well. Putting together like our training packets, diving into basically if something, if there was a hurdle at some point, that was kind of my job was to fix that. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. We are, we have a new customer and we need this much more insurance. How much is that going to cost getting new insurance vendors, et cetera, stuff like that. How do we use this technology? How do we train people on this technology? How do we uh, grow a, a sales rep, right? Is their books getting too big? How do we add operations people to their team without, uh, you know, with figuring out how to pay them all equally and right. make sure that they're all getting the uh, commission that they deserve. And so that's why I I liked more of that background work and like discovering the best way to work with people, but also figure out um, how incentivizing works in this industry and how um, how you can get better carriers over time um, by building better relations and maybe areas where you can put technology in that you never thought of before. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a lot of my work as we continue to grow out different projects. uh, pods or departments and things like that, discovering how to do that, almost figuring out the uh, game plan behind it, or like the honestly the business model of how we're going to grow. And so I kept doing that, and then uh, I know it's uh, funny because I would always have friends and be like, "Your title changed. Like, what do you?" It, was, it wasn't always like I wasn't doing something new. It was just more of, you know, someone else had had earned that title, and I was having right. to pass on a lot of those responsibilities and uh, yeah so it was a fast seven years and we ended up growing ended up leaving Lansing moving to Grand Rapids Michigan and by the time I left I think they're somewhere about 80 80 90 million dollar company they should wow. end around they should be around 100 120 I'd say this year um, mm-hmm. and yeah a fast growing team over there as well Amazing. Amazing. And you're a natural born problem solver. And so it doesn't surprise me that you moved to the ranks quite quickly, especially with a startup that's growing that fast, right? You've got more people coming on, which, and you really got a lesson not only in logistics and supply chain, but you got a lesson, like you said, in business as well, which is so incredible because not everybody really gets that. And you need both to really work within an organization, right? Because you have different teams within an organization that you're managing and running, and it's a department that you have to manage a budget and things like that. And so it's really important, I think, to somebody's career in logistics and supply chain to have some of that business knowledge. Now, I get a lot of people coming to me and they're like, you know, I'm going after my master's in supply chain, or I'm going to do this certification, or I've reached a limit as to the education that I think that I should get, but I think that I need to do more. What should I do? Now, you and I both did not go necessarily go to school for logistics and supply chain. So to those people, 
what would you, what would be your advice when they're taking a look at education, when they want a career in supply chain? What should they be looking at? What should they be learning about? That's a good question. I think uh, part of me would love to go back and just learn, like see what they teach people in right. supply chain. <laughs> Because I think it uh, seeing like the a lot of I would hire kids out of the supply chain school and they would come and work, especially at a brokerage, and it like did not add up completely. So I think for for me, it's one like what type of role do you want? What what part of the supply chain do you want to be a part of? Because we both know like it's a chain for a reason. Uh, do you do you like maritime over truckload? Do you uh, are you more interested in how a company like FedEx works over a company like um, Schneider, right? Like those are completely different organizations. Just because I have learned how to grow a freight brokerage does not mean I know how to run a trucking company. Right. right. And it's like, I think for people, if I was going to look at going back to school for something, I think I would stop myself first and say, okay, what part of the supply chain do I want to be a part of first? Mm -hmm. And then almost find a way to shadow that. Right. Like, Find someone in the industry, even if someone like yourself or uh, like, for example, if you want to go maritime, uh, sit with Lauren Began, take her classes, right, that she gives. And if it interests you and you're like, OK, I need to I need a deeper knowledge in this because I want to make this my career, then consider going back for like maybe those type of classes. But even someone like Lauren gives those classes. There's a lot of people in this industry that give out the classes to do all of this, these jobs. That's why I think I. Uh, I, I laugh and most of the industry now agrees when I see non-competes because all of this is on Google. Like as much as like people want to pretend there's some secret sauce you're hiding, there's no secret sauce to your brokerage. It's just what do you want to get out of that brokerage? Do you want to mm-hmm. be a mom and pop? Do you want to be the next Arrive Logistics? Do you want to be C.H. Robinson? Well, there's different choices you'd have to make. So yeah. maybe go back for a business degree. That's something maybe I've, I've thought about. But at the end yeah. of the day, I also know and have networked with no, a number of people that I don't think I would need to pay. I don't think it would be worth what I would be able to leverage out of the people I know. So I'd say, one, figure out where you want to be in the supply chain because there's all different parts, right? Even packaging, right? Packaging, yep. robotics, warehousing. There's a ton of different places you could go to. And then intern or find a way to like shadow and go from there. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I took a bunch of different courses in different things. <laughs> like yeah. I took one module for supply chain management, I think it was, or planning or something like that. And that was not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I moved no. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did the freight forwarding one because I was in freight forwarding. I wanted to get the certificates because I was in the operational side. But then I took like, I took a whole designation in international trade. And the reason why I did that was because I was in sales. So it gave me a better understanding of what my customers yes. went through. Right. So I think it's also depending on where you are in your career journey and what it is that you want to better understand. Yes. Right. I think there's a couple of components there. You really got to do some like deep personal work (laughs) to figure out what it is and then go and see what's out there and try a module. Don't go for a designation if you don't, if you haven't even tried it first. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. I took a a coding class in Python just because I wanted to see like 
what this was all about. And it gave me such a better idea of like why AP, API, like EDI integrations, like are hard to okay. put together. Like as an outsider, I'm like, Hey, nerds just code it out and like have it be done and 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 they're yeah you're right you're like why just change the formula kids like i don't but then you start doing it and you're like oh yeah no it's like much deeper than that and how how rude of my uh, am i to like have expected you to fix that in 10 seconds it's the my same ignorance. thing with our car right like we're like what do you mean it's gonna take two days to fix just take the part out well this is gonna so it's like I agree. I love learning about different pieces, especially for writing, right? Because then I have a better idea of like the true problem something's solving than just yeah. like confused on why someone is not working the, the way that I should expect them to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go down that route because <laughs> after the three PLs, you went into media and got into writing and all sorts of stuff. You have your own show. So talk to me about that transition, the why behind that, and did you always like writing? Because writing is something that you really have to enjoy. Um, you know, it's something that I've done ever since I was a kid. I lost it for a while, came back to it. When I did too much of it, I didn't like it too much, so I got a team. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, like, what, what was that like? Uh, so I think the biggest thing is what I, I did leave, I was, I was considering going into uh, consulting more, uh, but I, I was always a, a fan of Freight Waves. And I always, I started w watching and, and consuming Freight Waves um, content back when it was like a blog. Like I literally, I, t I said this to Zach Strickland the other day, like I remember the first day that they put you on camera because it was like, it was awful. It was, and you've gotten so much better. But I, rem I just remember that first day, and I remember being like, okay, cool. They're trying to like do, and I like, I'm a big fan of CNBC. Like, I have it on my TV all day. I'm like, this is, this is really cool. This could be like an all freight CNBC situation. Like, I could yeah. dig that. And, uh, you know, con continuing to consume content, I got, uh, well, maybe not close to, but bothered Kevin Hill all the time uh, and Dooner with just like different questions about Freya. I used to call into Dooner's show when he was on SiriusXM on Saturdays and like chat with him on there. And so I, I already knew some people in here. And uh, when I left, I, I, I brought it up briefly to uh, Ryan Schreiber, a friend of mine. And I said, you know, is this, and he was like, absolutely, I think this is something you could do. And why don't you just reach out to them and tell them kind of what you're looking to maybe provide to the team and see what happens. And um, so they had, they're looking for someone to help with not just even freight technology, but freight investment writing. And mm -hmm. uh, it, I, I know at least enough about the investment arena, one from past Freightways content, but two, just something I'd always been interested in, especially got really deep into around COVID. Um, and I was like, sure, why not? And I wrote up some writing samples and they liked it. And uh, I just started writing from there. And I think the biggest thing for me was kind of like I said before, I wanted people to read something about, especially freight technology and be able to understand what exactly that was going to do. I think there's a lot of like with Nusha out there where it's like, okay, what, 
is this for me? So people will see this every every day. There's a new technology, and everyone, is this something else we shouldn't be investing in? And I think right. it's exactly the opposite. One, I think operations should be looked at before any technology is put into place. And mm-hmm. two, each technology is almost catered to a problem than it is to an industry player. And so I wanted to help people figure that out. So that's why I really enjoyed writing because I felt like it made people understand what exactly something could do, what technology could help solve um, and started, of course, getting good feedback on that. And then uh, started doing shows. I took over point of sale from Andrew when he left, uh, which was really fun. And uh, I would say, you know, growing up, like I was never camera shy. I'm, even when I was at fifth wheel, like I was like, sure, if we need to do any media, like I'm there, I'm about it. Right. Um, here's a video when I'm like six, we went to Disney World, and like the whole time is me like popping out of nowhere, just to, like be on camera. I'm like, awesome. okay, yeah, maybe I was supposed to kind of do this. Um, so I don't get shy with like public speaking. Um, and so I just really enjoy putting together like really fun content. That's what I yeah. started to realize over this time. It's like, I really like when people, you know, reach out to me on Twitter or something and say, hey, like, I had no idea that was true or that this could do that. And um, that's, like, what I think is really fun. I, I really love, like, John Oliver and, like, um, Colbert's style, Daily Show style type of content. And that's, yeah. they've allowed me the freedom here to do that. And it's, it's, it's funny, like, even when they called me about the radio show, it was like, Kevin called me and he's like, I remember I was driving too. And he's like, do you want to, would you be interested in doing the show? You know, five to seven, like, I'm like, Kevin, people go to school for this to like, maybe right. get a 4am slot on like right. a local channel. Like how yeah, dare yeah. I say no to this opportunity. Right. <laughs> and it's just been such a cool ride. I mean, we've been getting such great feedback from listeners. At first I was yeah. so nervous because I took the spot for my, driver lifestyle type of person yeah. like great now this like blonde girl is going to come in here and tell us about how our business should be run and i right, right, right. and i was like really nervous that they it was just not going to be the type of content they like but talking with so many people that listen to the show they just absolutely love it they love that business yeah. and they love the personalities right they love all of us at uh freightways that contribute to it so mm-hmm. um i just kind of took a risk in something i, I didn't know that I would love so much and 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 you know this there's such a niche in this industry for it mm-hmm. like there's if you know how to talk this industry the ability for you to be in marketing or media for it is like mm-hmm. sky's the limit so yeah um, yeah congrats to you for just like doing exactly what you're doing now because I know um it's I'm sure you're overly enjoying it and getting great feedback too because there's not many people cool. like us right that can talk about it yeah, no, I appreciate that. It is a lot of fun. And like you said, there's a lot of different things that we can do. There's so much opportunity. And I've I've been taking a lot of advantage of that. But that is definitely on my bucket list. Sirius XM, if you are listening, it's on my bucket list. Just reach out. I'm available. Anyways, just saying. But like like me, you're constantly asking people questions right? You're constantly interviewing other people, whether it's for the blog, whether it's for your show, that kind of thing. Is there one particular question that you would want somebody to ask you? Ooh, that one is a good, good question too. Um, 
I think uh, for me, I think uh, for, to someone to ask me would probably be like, and I like to ask this other people too. It's like, where, where do you see yourself kind of taking this, like uh, this journey, right? Like, where do you see yourself five years from now? I know that's a dumb question, no, but um, well, it's like for someone like myself or someone like uh, who switched careers or is like, just started in this industry. Like a lot of times I talk to like CEOs or CFOs and new people that come from like Silicon Valley and enter this industry. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, are you going to stay in this industry? Do you see yourself leaving? Like, where do you see yourself five years in this industry? And I think for me, uh, <laughs> I, I love what I'm doing now. Like the radio show is so much fun. So I think it, I, I love putting more time into that and, and finding creative ways to have, uh, fun episodes on there. Um, and past that, hope, hopefully still with freight waves and contributing in some huge way. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, like that. I've been a part of like that, that high level executive role and I'm not saying that I never want it again, but I think that sometimes our society treats business as like, no, uh, especially for women. Right. We have to be CEOs. You have to like make your way to the top to be this powerful figure to contribute in some type of way. And I think that's, I think that's what our society is quickly learning with this whole like I don't I really hate the like quitting whatever they call it like the silent quitting. Yeah, I think that's marketing play for people just wanting to their do their jobs and not yeah. be asked to do more for no pay. Yeah. Um, and I think the real question is. Find out like what your employees want to do for real, like five years from now and just set them up towards that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a manager. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be something that actually helps your business. You know, it should help them. And if it's not here and it's running their own blog, then let them practice by running your blog, you know? Yeah. like And yeah. so that's where I think I look back at like my tenure, like, I know I've done that to people too, where it's like, Oh, you're such a, a strong person in this role. You need to do this. And that's just, it's unreasonable. And it's, and it was all focused on what would help me and, and our business grow. Mm -hmm. And it was never focused on what they want to do down the line. So I think that's a big one for me, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely does. And thank you for sharing it. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I say I'm founder and host. I'm not like yeah. I'm CEO of Let's Talk Supply Chain. I learned a very long time ago that it's about who you are and what you bring to the table and how you feel about what you're doing and the impact yes. that you know that you're making yes. over a title. Yes. And yes, we want to see you know more diversity in different levels of the organization. However, I think it's more important that we learn from those people and we see more diverse voices on industry stages so that we can learn from a variety of different roles, because if your goal is not to be CEO, but your goal is to be director of something, yeah, that's fine. Society yeah. says you have to keep going, but yeah. if you're burnt out at a certain level and you want to go back to something that you enjoy, regardless of whether there's a C, C title or not, I think we need to give ourselves the grace <laughs> yes. uh, to be able to, pardon the pun, uh, to be no, able to do that, right? To be yeah, able to yeah. do that and not get tied to 
tied to these titles and these societal things that tell us what we need to be and what we need to do and how we need to think about certain things. And um, yeah, so I appreciate you for sharing that. Now, you started something called, I think, Shark Start. Can you talk yeah. to us a little bit about that? What is it? So I started that when I uh, left too, and I, I, I will say I need to put more time into it. I've gotten really busy with this, this serious show. Uh, I started because I want to uh, start a fundraiser with my my mom and leave some type of legacy. So my mom just recently retired from teaching, and we've always, like, uh, we love to give back. We love going family all the time. We go to the homeless shelter and uh, give our time. And, and uh, I think... Uh, especially fundraising, I know how much a lot of that has an impact on people and especially people who don't have the same backgrounds. And I think uh, part of the reason I started is because, uh, like I said, I feel like I learned, I almost got a business degree from my past experience in this role. Um, but it also like came with this, like the, the non-compete aspect and the, uh, fighting of, whose ideas are who and and I think that's just wrong I think we should as a society be sharing and teaching and educating those who have great ideas and who want to at some point start a business and you know if we if as an industry we said how about we scrap these non-competes and we change them into partnerships how quickly could we have our businesses grow and have each of us money in this situation? So I wanted to start like an organization and, and part of this too was like a mentor type of uh, a mentor style type of arrangement where um, for instance, even if, if you were in, through the, uh, through the program, we're put into an internship and um given the scholarship for that time too. Cause guess what? When you go to college and they make you an internship, they do make you pay for those credits. So uh, even, yeah, I think people don't realize that when a lot of like my, I needed to get 10 credits, I think of internship experience and like they pay, they make, they charge you for those. So it's like my goal was to help give scholarships for different internship experiences, pay for those internships, Amazing. but also set them up with good people in this industry who aren't going to tell them, oh, by the way, you're done with this experience. Remember, you have a non-compete. So you either have to come back here and work here with us or you can't work for anyone else in the industry. So that was like kind of my my fuel to begin with is like set people up with good mentorship groups that like at the end of an experience like that, <laughs> let's say the person wanted to go build a technology for a brokerage then you partner with them and you grow those things together um, yeah. and really helping people in less fortunate backgrounds get those experiences as well. I start, mm -hmm. the older I get, the more I realize that if people don't have the education in finance, the education in business, that how do, how do people expect certain people to get out of certain situations, mm -hmm. right? Just work so hard true. and you'll get, oh, what do you mean work hard? Like put an extra yeah. shift at Taco Bell? Like that's, no, that's not what you mean. And we both know that's not what you mean. What yeah. you actually mean is teach them what a 401k is and make sure that if it's matching that they're in it teach someone the importance of uh, of a credit card and using points, right, and interest to work for you. Teach mm -hmm. someone to not buy a car in all cash. Teach, some, you know, these, like, simple life lessons that would get people out of poverty mm -hmm. over time. And yeah. 
So those are like the two areas I wanted to focus on was like a mentorship program, at least program to get people educated in certain areas that don't necessarily have to be college, but just life lessons that would get people out of the circumstances they feel like they can't get out of now. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. I want to talk to you offline about what we're doing as well, because there could be some synergies there. But I think I think you're on the right track, too. I also think that, you know, investment in diverse businesses yeah. aren't just for one month of the year. And then yes. you know, if you don't catch it in that month, oh, OK, we'll see you next year, maybe, because yes. we have so many hoops that you have to jump through to be able to get that investment. And so, you know, I think that that's even part of the discussion as well, because I've spoken to so many diverse business owners that they're like, you know, in 2020, it was great. We had all these people. And then September 2020, they all went away and they ghosted me. And it's like, why are we doing that? You know, it's not just one month a year. It's not just a black square on, you know, Instagram or something like that. It's not just waving the flag for 30 days a year. So anyways, I I think we can talk all day about that. But I I do want to get to um, your experience about rarely being in a room with female leadership, right? And since starting at Freight Waves, you've really gone out of your way to meet more women in the industry. So why are we still not seeing women in these roles? What can we do about it? And how do we encourage young women to have the bravery to step into these maybe sometimes scary environments? The number one thing Kaylee and I both like preach on Great Quarter Gals is you need to extend your hand to them. Uh, A lot of people, I, I, I think... Even it took a while for me to realize I was fortunately raised by an extremely voiceful, uh, opinionated, strong woman who who is not going to sit back and let someone tell her what to do. Uh, And with that came a lot of confidence, right, where I would go into opportunities. And if I knew my worth and I knew my work ethic, I, I knew what I could do and I knew I could attack a whole different job in media if I wanted to, right? Um, there's a lot of women out there that don't have that support, not even just from their fathers, but from their mothers as well. I had a friend in college who told me when she got into Michigan State, her whole family laughed at her right into her face and said, why would anyone go, why would you go to college? You're clearly too dumb for that. And it's like, there, it's crazy to think that there's family, that people are raised that way. And I think, a lot of times this world would be just so much better if people had empathy for why people do things or why people respond to certain things or, or why someone is shy or why, so, you know what I mean? Like why are people, uh, uh, if you have, let's say you're running your business right now and you keep putting out this role and there's a woman in your office or a young lady in your office that you think will just be really great for it, but she just doesn't put in for it. Extend that hand. A lot of times it just takes someone higher up saying, you know, you would be really great at this job for them to think about the fact that they're good at their job for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people give our generation this like hoopla about gratification because of like likes and, and hearts and all that stuff on social media. Even though I will say the boomers are the one that made the participation award. It's still... We, we need, I think all humans need that. We all need that. And we all get it in different ways, that confidence, that pat on the back, that, that push forward. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, hopefully, I think Kaylee and I, specifically, and you in this role too, hopefully making this content and making this media, uh, it gives another woman out there the chance to say, you know what, maybe think twice and maybe I am right for that role. But I think yeah. a lot of times male leaders need to go out there and just have a one-on-one conversation and say, like, where where would you like to be? How can we help you? Kind of like we talked about before. And mm-hmm. you'd see a lot more women get farther in your business than you've had. And the secret, um, I always talk about this with Charlie too. The secret to recruiting women is just honestly retaining women. I, like people, how do I, how do I get more women to come take it, take this job? You know, putting, putting cute guys out there at the career fairs. And they just don't seem to be biting. No, 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 no. How are you working on the women inside your business? And watch how naturally the women come towards your business as well. So that's, very true. that's my two cents there. As harsh as they may be. No, I think that that's good. And it's so true, right? But I also think we need to ask more questions of each other. You talked about the why question, yeah. right? I think, you know, the next generation needs to ask some more questions. I think we need to ask more questions too. I think too many times there's too much assumption on yes. both sides. Yeah. An assumption is not good for anybody. You yeah. know, I say something, but, you know, I don't mean it one way and somebody takes it another way. And yeah. I think we need to have, create safe spaces for us to be able to have the dialogue around that. Yes. And that's also what's going to not only reta- retain diverse voices in our companies because they feel safe, they feel seen, they feel heard. And they feel like you care, not only as them as a professional, but also as a person in general. And I think that's how we're really going to get the next generation into our industry and then also have them stay. Yes. Right? I think the way things are sort of managed right now, you said more empathy. That's right. More empathy, more grace. I keep using this word. I love the word. I love your name. Just saying. (laughs) It's a good one. To explore, to ask questions, to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes, exactly. My my two cents too. But listen, Grace, I think we could keep chatting for the rest of the day. (laughs) And I really love talking about your journey because I think it's so inspiring in a lot of different ways, right? I think it's really going to help the next generation remember that your degree, if you have one, doesn't have to define your entire career path. You can learn on the job and discover so much that you're not going to learn in a classroom. And you can pivot, right? Your career can develop as your passions and talents do. And it's really important to try new things and see where they take you. Those are lessons for all of us, really, actually. So a massive thank you to you, Grace, for joining me today. I know that it's going to give a lot of listeners, especially young women, a lot to think about. Definitely. Yeah, I'll I'll leave you with this stat. The influencer market is like a $16.5 billion market today. So if you can find your little niche somewhere like we have, uh, the sky is the limit. So anyone out there thinking about making the switch, as long as you're dedicated to it and are willing to open yourself up like you have, um, anyone can follow in our footsteps. So I I appreciate you giving me the time on here and, and thank you for doing what you've done for supply chain. Oh, I appreciate you so much. Thanks so much, Grace.
Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. You can also check it out on the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube Plus, if you have a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had the solution on our show. So use the search bar on letstalksupplychain.com and put in the keyword and all of the content will come up and you can actually listen to a podcast episode as to how they can help you, whether you're their ideal client before you even get into their sales funnel. And remember to come back next week where I'll be joined by Alan of Invase Technologies. Invase are the largest drayage TMS provider delivering market-leading solutions and applications for the next generation of data-driven decisions. They are super exciting. And Alan and I are going to be exploring exactly what they do and how they help their customers tackling inefficiencies in supply chain, gaining visibility and control over your operations, and their mission to deliver a single streamlined system that digitizes the life cycle of a container across the intermodal ecosystem. You're going to learn a lot, so make sure to tune in next week. If you enjoy the show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or also over on TikTok. TikTok, and you can subscribe to us at YouTube, or you can subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Plus, Ships is an intelligent marketplace connecting shippers with the world's best service providers, freight forwarders, 3PLs, and NVOCCs. Communicate and share information throughout the quoting process while easily and securely comparing features, value, and prices. Save time, effort, and money as you book, track, and manage your freight and cargo shipments. Start your journey on ships. That's S-H-I-P-Z or Z.com today. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, go ahead and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.